This week's listener's shout-out goes to Softball Girly 11 and she writes, five-star, great content. Listen today to episode 391. Love Tom's perspective. Not just have it in your bio that you're a speaker. I love the concept of the show. So if you want to have a shout-out and you listen to the show, please hit the subscribe if you haven't already and make sure to leave a short written review and I'll do that on an upcoming show. Three, two, one. Amplify your mission. Access training, AYMission.com, and here is your host. He's a best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and was even named one of the top 10 dads in podcasting by Podcast Magazine. Please help me welcome to the stage, Adam Lewis Walker. Right, this week, we're talking to Taylor Welch, the co-founder and CEO of Traffic and Funnels, author of two best-selling books, international speaker, entrepreneur, creator of the number one rated sales training program, The Sales Mentor. Taylor has advised and serviced nearly 50,000 individual businesses in the last five years while directing three in-house brands that produce collectively nearly 40 million per year. So I'm really excited to dig in. We're going to talk about not just making money, but using your knowledge and wealth to give more back and serve others. He's a man behind Traffic and Funnels. This interview has been a long time coming. I signed up for something, some free giveaway, and he's been his emails and his influence has been following me around for six months. So I'm excited to meet the man. Taylor, are you ready to amplify your mission today? Can't freaking wait. Glad to be here. Awesome. You've done a lot. That was quite a thorough bio, but is there anything you'd like to add or highlight? What are you all about at the moment? Uh, man, I'm all about people at the moment and growing people, changing people, lifting people, getting people to see that whatever they've settled for is not what they have to settle for. And uh, we started in my apartment in 2015. Now we have 150 staff uh, spread out across the United States. It's insane. I think realistically, I'm giving you the realistic. There's there's the marketing uh, odds and then there's the realistic odds. I'm giving you the realistic odds. I think we'll, we'll have over a thousand staff here in the next three years and I consider them partners. It's half, half of what we do at this stage in the game is just investing into our people mm -hmm. and coaching our people and so, um, you're catching me in like a one hour spot where I'm not meeting with staff right now. And so, uh, I hope to add some value to your crew. Wow. So talk to us a little bit about what it is specifically you do and which, which company I suppose, or is that across all the companies that you're growing and also talk to us a little bit about your origins. Where are you originally from? Where are you speaking to us from today? Did you ever imagine this is something you'd be doing or kind of talk to us about the, the a little bit about the journey? No, I had no idea. I wanted to be a pastor when I was growing up. In fact, I think my earliest memory was uh, my mom was asking me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I, I wanted to be a cowboy <laughs> and I wanted to be a pastor. Those were, the, those were my two goals in life. I met my, uh, who is now my wife, but at the time she was a friend of mine in Springfield, Missouri. I grew up in Louisiana. We moved up north and uh, she had a hair salon. And so she was an entrepreneur. That was actually my first, like my first introduction to the world of entrepreneurship. And I was like, well, you, you work when you want to work and you don't work if you don't want to work. Like, what is this? Like, what kind of heaven is this? How do, how do I get there? Um, and it was actually uh, almost 10 years from meeting her to figuring out how to start on my own, transitioned into the real estate world in 2012. Um, while I was at the real estate uh, office in we were actually in memphis we had relocated to uh memphis tennessee 
we signed up, you know, 5,000, 6,000 leases, massive, massive real estate portfolio in the city. And my first client as a marketer was my wife, which I don't recommend. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds stressful. Yeah, it's a little stressful. You know, you don't, you don't get paid and no, but it was, it was my vision at the time was, you know, if I can help my wife get more clients for the salon, yeah. um, I had done the math. I can replace my income and I can stay at home. That's it. That was my vision. Like I led uh, a boring life. I didn't really have a lot of big goals and the things that we talked about today, I was learning for the first time, but we did that. It worked. I learned marketing self-taught, um, quit my day job at the real estate office and I couldn't just sit at home. I had to keep going. And so you kind of through the through line for the entire story is what I really learned is like, if you just take the next step, People get stuck because they don't know what step five is. Or they know what step one is. They, they, but they don't want to take step one until they know two, three, four, five, six, seven. But if you just take the next step, it's amazing how the world works and how the human spirit works. And you're just like, okay, well, now it's step two. And then you take step two. And you don't need to know what three is. You just take step two. And fast forward to today, um, I found out that I could build uh, an income in a business through providing opportunities for other people. And so right now we're in Nashville. Um, we have offices in Nashville, Tennessee, and Charlotte, North Carolina, kind of our two big headquarters. And uh, it all started with me taking on my wife as a client and then figuring out that there were other people you know, that could yeah. utilize my services, and we grew from there. And in that journey, when was the time you really had to kind of fight to awaken your app? Or kind of one of the most challenging points when really it was just a, a bad day, a bad week, a bad month where it really kind of all hit the fan and you, you, yeah. you likely doubted yourself. I don't know. We're going to find out. Yesterday, yesterday, and then the day before <laughs> that. And I think people have this thing all messed up where that people will listen to me and they'll, they'll listen to you and they'll be like, man, if I could just get to where they are, um, you know, I, I feel like I'll be okay. But really, uh, anytime you go to a new level, you're going to get, you're going to hit with all this downward pressure and all of this turbulence. And a lot of times the resistance is equal to the reward. And so I would say my first like big man, I, I don't know if I want to do this. Uh, we were in the, in the apartment in Memphis, Tennessee, and I was still working at the real estate gig. And I wanted to see if I could get a copywriting client. This is, I had never had a client before I saw my wife. And so I went into this Facebook group, this is 2014 and I posted, and I was like, I'll help you with your copy and um, kind of went about my business, came back and checked it out. And uh, dude, there were hundreds of comments on this post, uh, but they were all haters. There was not one, there was not one comment that was like, oh man, I'd like to talk to you. They were like, man, how are you going to write copy if I don't even understand what you're trying to offer, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I was pretty defeated. It was one of those things where I was like, I've never been hated before. Like I grew up in yeah, church. Yeah, you literally just stuck your head up and it got <laughs> people from got cut off. off. Yeah. yeah, it's like tall poppy syndrome instantly. Um, and Lindsay, my wife, could tell. It's like she was like, "What's the matter with you?" Because you just like seemed down. And I was like, "I don't even know if I want to be an entrepreneur. This is stupid. This is dumb." I got one call by a guy uh, from a guy named Gary, and Gary saw the post and he's like, "Man, just ignore everybody. I, I want to pay you for this." And uh, he paid me four hundred dollars for a ton of work. I was completely undervaluing myself, but then he taught me how to sell. And he was like, you don't know how to sell. You don't know how to communicate. You don't know how to talk. And so me and Gary went through a process where I was like, he, he paid me a couple hundred dollars, but really what he paid me in was expertise. He yeah. paid me in, in teaching me the game. 
And uh, from there, I got another client. Um, I think he paid me $700. And he told me what the copy did for him. He did $150,000 in about 40 minutes from the copy that I produced for him. 700 wow. bucks. Um, <laughs> then I got another uh, client and I got another client. I remember my first like real, like real gig where I was like, man, I can quit my job with a guy named Bradley. I just talked to him the other day because I posted on uh, my Facebook. Anytime you want me to stop talking, you just interject because I could just ramble for, for days here. But I posted a, a few days ago. I was like, man, I, I've done the math. In the next eight years, I'll be a billionaire. It's, I've done it a million times. Like It's not possible to not. If we keep going at 50% of the rate that we're growing, I'll be a billionaire in eight years. And I posted it just to inspire people. I was like, it's not, it's not, it's not the circumstances in your life that are going to limit you. It's, it's what do you feel like is possible for you. That's what's going to limit you. And Bradley commented on this. He was, this is my first real client. I just had the opportunity in the moment to, to message him and say, thank you. you know, thank you for believing in me. His, he paid me $3,000 a month um, as a retainer. And I remember telling my wife, I was like, oh my God, we're freaking rich. Like I can quit my job <laughs> right now from one client, you know. Um, but the beauty of life is that it, it typically will not let you get bored. And um, you'll, you'll go into a, a season of winning and then you'll come out of a season of winning and you'll go into a season where you're climbing and you'll get into a season of winning and then you'll come out of a season. And it's like, it's this beautiful thing when I look back over the last six years where it's like, you know, most of the time, if I look through journals, I look through where I'm at, look through my posts, uh, I just don't feel like I'm winning. Mm. <laughs> I don't, I, it's probably 70% of the time where I'm just like, man, I'm getting beat up a little bit right now. But the reason and I've connected this through, the reason I, I feel that way is because I've made the decision to keep growing. I was going to say, has there ever been a point where you think like, like you get your 3000 or whatever it is. And you're just like, Oh, this is nice. If I can just maintain. And you mentioned yeah. about, you know, you feel like you, you know, that, that, that pressure, like 70% of the time you feel like you're not winning, but you know, well, I say it's not clearly you are because it's, you know, it's perspective, but has there ever been a time when you feel like, ah, oh, I'm just going to try and settle here and, and, or not, as you said, you're always growing. For maybe, maybe 30 days, but uh, <laughs> I think it's appropriate to, to enjoy a little bit of you know, the spoils of victory. And when I say spoils of victory, I don't even mean things, cars and money. I mean, I mean, enjoy a couple of weeks of being able to um, not have to, not have to push on anything. You know, that's, yeah. that's awesome. But that, that's, that's a violation of the human spirit for too long. You know, the human spirit wants to push and the human spirit wants to grow. And um, if you go to the gym and, you don't push, then eventually you're going to get bored. There's boredom and burnout. And these are on yeah. two opposite sides. And people will get stuck in both. But I would say the vast majority of people are not actually struggling with burnout. They're actually struggling with boredom. And where it's like, they don't actually have anything that is really hard and really difficult, but they know it's worth it. Mm. And for me, I have found comfort in that place. Like for right now, there's... There's nothing in my life that's a threat to me. I was had this conversation a few weeks ago. Uh, nothing is nothing is threatening to me. I have zero threats. You have any idea what that's like? Like literally no threats. Yeah. Nothing can hurt me. I'm incubated. Nobody can sue me. I don't own anything. Everything's set up correctly. Like the government can't see all my money. Like if you just go through the list, it's like bulletproof, 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 and that is uh actually a little bit terrifying to me. So I got to find something that can threaten. There's a story of the first, have you heard the story of the first seafood restaurant in Chicago? I have not. 
I'm about to tell it to you. Uh, <laughs> it's the first, the 1800, late, late 1800s, early 1900s. It was the first like freshwater seafood restaurants in Chicago, right in the middle of the United States. And they had a, they would put fresh seafood on a train every single day from the Gulf and they would train it up into Chicago and it would arrive at four or five in the morning. And uh, it was amazing because, uh, you know, they didn't have dry ice and they didn't have airplanes and things, you know, so people paid a lot of money to get fresh seafood. That's how they advertise. But the owner was uh, trying to solve a problem. And the problem was that every day, the ratios are going to be a little bit skewed, but just you'll understand the lesson. You know, he, he would get the tanks of fish off of the train and 20% of the fish would be alive. 80% would be dead floating in the water. And he's like, why are these fish dying? This is in a tank for a day on a train. Is it the jolting? Uh, is there something with the water? So he hired someone to do some testing and reconnaissance and uh, some, you know, a, a biologist type person. And after about a month, they said, put a barracuda in the tank with the fish. And he was like, okay, they did it. And, and the, the ratio is reversed. 80% of the fish will be alive. 20% had died, but they were actually eaten by the barracuda. And this biologist said, the fish need something to live for. Mm. They need something to escape. They need, some, they need some threat in their life or else they just shut down and there's no reason to survive. And I think yeah. humans in a lot of ways are the same. I'm not advocating, uh, I'm not advocating you like risk it all <laughs> for bankruptcy. And, but yeah. you, you know, you do these sports and it's like, you know, when, when you go out or, you know, I've got a nine 11 and I'll just take it out to the back rows. And it's like, if I look up from the wheel right now, I will die. Like if I, there's something about being glued in and if you do not pay attention in this moment, you, you can miss it. There's something about that. And the human spirit is addicted to it. It's why people like to ski. It's like people like sports. Like people like to swim and dive and do all of these things. There's something to that in life as well. And I think that it has something to do with making sure that, you know, if, if your central nervous system is not activated daily, eventually it will atrophy. You'll lose your ability mm -hmm. to push. You'll lose yeah. your ability to dream. You gotta have some barracudas in your life, man. And Definitely. if you don't, what do you do? You yeah. just fall asleep. You, you lose your mojo for, sh for sure. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So, so you've, when you've got your first client, you've got retainers and stuff and you're, you're growing personally, what was it like making that step to grow and get X other people working with you for you? And you talked about this stuff and continuing to, to grow. How was was that a bit of a, you know, well, I'm sure it was a scary step, but how was that transition? Yeah. So totally it's, it is scary. It's like, um, if you learn how to, uh, you know, mountain bike, and then you have to learn how to surf and you're trying to use the same skill sets, it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. Um, there's new fear injected into the system because with mountain bike you could fall over and, and die but with surfing you could drown and die so it's like the the skill sets that i've had to learn it's totally different we lost our first team then we lost our second team and by the third the first, team we first we got kind of personal team you kind of tried to build or media buyer we had a media buyer we had a, a, a executive assistant who turned into an operations director and a salesperson yeah those are the first three and we lost them all it was great <laughs> What, what, why do you think it, it went, well, not necessarily wrong, but why do you think you lost them or what happened? Because we didn't know how to lead. We didn't have the, uh, the leadership ability to maintain proper culture, to um, help them think the way that we think. You know, I tell people today, uh, we have a new business launching Wednesday, next Wednesday. So we've got the TF, 
uh, business traffic and funnels business. Yep. yep. We've got an SEC fund, which is real estate backed. We've got a holdings company and we've got uh, the media buying offer launching Thursday. We have a, or Wednesday or Thursday. And then this fall, we've got a real estate education business launching. This will be six and a personal finance. So we've got all this stuff. When you get to, when you get to a certain place, you can't do everything. Yeah. So what I tell our staff today is like, there's really two types of delegation that you can go into. Number one is that where everyone starts, you delegate, delegate your hands, you delegate the activities, you get people to do things that you don't have time to do, but there's limited utility in delegating work where you want to get to as a leader is delegating the mind, delegating thinking. So I can hire a staff and I could, I could delegate the activities, but I could, I could hire a staff and delegate thinking for them. Like how do I get them to think and solve problems, decisions, you know, so one is work, one is decisions. When we got to that second layer of delegation, it was probably 2018, late 2018, um, where we were no longer required to make decisions. And you look at the growth curve, it started. The, the, yeah, the people just run it themselves. 100%. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And I suppose, obviously, you've got diversification. You say like bulletproof and less threats. Again, with the decision to some people like, uh, say, like a, a Russell Brunson might go and just, you know, click funnels and just go all in on his one, one real main company, what he's known for. And he's just, he's just doing that and trying to build that. What, was there much of a, a decision in terms of, okay, let's start another company, let's start another company and risks of, you know, your mind as well being spread all over the place and that kind of stress from that. What was that like? I think there's two, two things to two angles to come at that from one is just the cap space of the business. And if you look at a SaaS like click funnels here, the cap space there is, um, you know, a billion dollars plus. Mm. And so it makes a little bit more sense to go all in on something like that because you can, you can take a SaaS to a billion value valuation and sell part of your chips and then move on. Yeah. Um, with the services business, I think it, the cap space is a lot more fixed. Not always, but the work required to get a traffic and funnels to a billion dollars, I'm not interested in. It's like, I don't, that's too much. And I'm not, I'm not interested in it. Um, so there's that, that you got to think about. And what is the, are you in a blue ocean or a red ocean? Like what's the business model? How do you collect money? Is it recurring? All of those things. But then the other thing is, you know, I, I come from the real estate world. So I studied, uh, you know, all the real estate guys. Yeah. And then I got into hedge fund, you know, where, you know, you're looking at Howard Marks and Ray Dalio and Stephen Schwarzman and, you know, they don't, I'm not going all in on anything. Like when you study hedge funds, it's like, you don't do that ever. Like you, you'll buy, you'll buy a hundred percent of nine companies. You'll never just buy a hundred percent of one because you've got to put, and they call them hedges. You got to put a hedge. If you listen mm -hmm. to Bill Ackman or uh, Carl Icahn, they're all, you have to put a hedge on whatever it is that you're doing because the name of the game in, in investment is not losing money. Yeah. So for me, I kind of bring that ethos into our portfolio of businesses. And so I would rather have seven than one. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And when you mentioned Ray Dalio, I've just, you know, I read his book recently it talks about building the machine and, and that, I mm -hmm. really, that explains a lot, at least for me in terms of the machines yep. you're building. Blimey. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Wow. So for, for specific, again, we've got so many businesses we can focus on for, for traffic and funnels for people wanting to get more, you know, a machine, more automated uh, or more regular leads coming and clients landing. And then obviously you've got this, the sales mentor. What are some 
key piece of advice that really changed for your business or just some things you think you see out there that people are getting wrong? Uh, people get marketing wrong. Um, for traffic and funnels, the market we're in is everybody's hacking, you know, like everybody wants to know the hacks that are working right now. But what we found, especially recently is, um, when you just put together good fundamental marketing, uh, it typically outperforms hacking a Facebook ads account. Mm. So you can, you can launch a hundred different ad sets and, uh, you can use the algorithms to figure out what people are interested in. And there's a place for that. Uh, but when we put together a video, that's just, it hits all of the, the fundamentals. You get people's attention. Uh, you deal with everyone's uh, objections before you get to the pitch and then the pitch is clever. I mean, that, that will oftentimes outperform with no hacks, the marketing that's not fundamentally sounds, but has all the hacks. Um, specifically with the last year and a half, you know, we've started selling front end products. And so a hundred percent of our lead base for traffic and funnels now, uh, it's a customer list rather than yeah. free leads. And I think there's still a place for free leads, but for us, it's just like, we found that um, if we can get somebody to spend $5 or $20 or $150, um, make sure that the product is valuable and it delivers on what the promise is. We've, we've garnered a little bit of trust with that person before we ever get on the phone with them. And then that trust is convertible. So you can convert that trust into more trust on the back end. But when you just do something for free, uh, you'll, you'll miss out on a little bit of that and you can still make that model work. But that, that's a big thing that we changed in TF recently. Cool. Who helped awaken your alpha? I mean, you've talked to a lot of, lot of people in situations as well and you, working with your wife and then, you know, that first client. But was there anyone specifically that you kind of aspired to? And you talked about some sort of Ray Dalio and different people you're sort of really following now for hedge, hedging and stuff like that. But is there anyone who really stands out you think, actually, that's someone who inspires me? Uh, Winston Churchill be a good one. Uh, I'm not, I'm not as interested in, um, like the people today. I think, I think sometimes when you, when you have the ability to kind of look through history, you realize how easy our lives are today. Um, you look at the things that Winston Churchill had to go through. Uh, you look at what Benjamin Franklin had to go through. You look at just the last hundred years. And, uh, I'm started reading a book on Lyndon Johnson actually this last week. And it's like, man, these people's lives were just hard, man. Like They were hard. And I think my life has been hard early on, but then I read some of these stories and, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't have to go through the things that uh, Churchill had to go through. And it gives me a renewed perspective and kind of brings out a little bit of that fight, that fighter spirit in me. Cause I'm like, man, if, if these guys didn't capitulate in the face of this, then what the hell am I bitching about? Like, let's get to work. You know, let's get this fixed. Awesome. You talk about getting the leads and the, the more qualified leads. So, and I, I want to touch and obviously with, you know, a company like Sales Mentor. What are your thoughts around that, 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 that almost that men mentality and the spirit? And, and also, if it's relevant, the technical stuff of, you know, doing an effective sales call consultation and getting someone, if it's the right fit, over the line. What are your thoughts around that whole process? Uh, I think sales is fundamentally about leading people to the outcomes they want the most in life. The reason people struggle with sales is because they get, you just read Ray Dalio's book principles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that the one you read? Yeah. So you remember him talking about first order consequence, second order consequence, third order consequence, and that, that thing. Um, the reason people get lost in, in, 
salesmanship and they don't know how to close deals is because uh, they fail to recognize that what somebody really wants is a third order consequence. And you're going to have to withstand the pressure of the first order. Mm. Uh, and what I mean by that is a, lo a lot of times um, what, what people will get on the phone with us to solve is this big issue. Either their business isn't growing or they don't have enough salespeople, they need staffed or some other area of their life that they cannot figure out. But the actual first order consequence they have to get over is they have to invest a substantial amount of money into learning the game. Yeah. And so it, if, you're not, if you're not aware of where the pieces are on the board, then you'll get caught in that pressure and you don't want to feel like you're pushing people past their limits. But the thing about uh, me and our team is I don't give a shit about what people are uncomfortable with on the, on the phone call. I care about them arriving at the age of 75 and they never figured it out and they'd have no do-overs. Mm. That's the fifth order. That's, that's the big gorilla in the room. So you have to have the ability as a, as a sales professional or even as just a person who's trying to, to help people out you have to have the ability to partner with the, the desired version of someone at the, sometimes at the expense of the current version of someone. Yeah. What to do, you know? I love that. I think if it's, if once you decide that mentality, if it's the right fit, you got to f fight for that client for at least so they can yeah. sell themselves short. Definitely. Yeah. Right. Well, look at time. We're just going to sort of head into the alpha round to begin wrapping things up. And I like to start that off. We've mentioned a few books. There is there an impactful book for you that you either, read it at the right time in your life. Might not be your all-time favorite, but it was just the, the, the right timing, or, or it could be an all-time favorite. I love um, Keith Cunningham's The Road Less Stupid. And I've never heard of that one. It's amazing. You'll love it. And then uh, I forget the, type, the author for this, 177 Mental Toughness. Uh, I think it's Secrets. If you put pop it in Amazon, yeah. it'll, it'll show up. Uh, amazing book. And it's very short chapters. And he just takes you through some of the best mental toughness training that I think is available in the world anywhere. Great author. Those two books come to mind. Wow. Strong recommendation. And I haven't heard of either of them. And we get a lot of repeats on this show. So that's, that's awesome stuff. And from your network, and I, we haven't even mentioned you, you've got some podcasts. Is it you've got two? Is that right? Or kind of? Or Three. <laughs> Three at the moment. Of yeah. course, growing. There you go. <laughs> Always growing. So <laughs> from, from your shows and your networks and all the people you've worked with, um, who jumps out at the moment and you think that would be a, or that person would be a great interview for the Awaken Your Alpha? Haven't gone through the bulk of this show anymore. Yeah, Todd Herman. Uh, Todd have you Herman. him yet? I think I have. He's the, the alter ego. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I interviewed him, but it was way back. And I have had a few repeat guests. He's awesome. And again, since I interviewed him, this was, you know, probably about four or five years ago. Wow. Talk about growth. He's absolutely smashing yeah. it. So he's amazing. Yeah. Great recommendation. I'll, I'll bring him back on. And if people want to continue the conversation with you, what's the best way to connect with you? Because there seems like there's quite a lot of options. What's one of the best ways? Yeah. So obviously, uh, there's, I have a personal site, taylorawelch.com. Um, we have the business sites. If you go to taylorawelch.com, it'll point to the businesses, traffic of funnels, the sales mentor. We're launching, you know, next week, we're launching a new business where we're going to, we'll train YouTube media buyers and we'll staff them for you for businesses. So that's going to be huge. Um, the podcast, the, the most popular one right now is daily mind medicine, hop into podcasts, search daily mind medicine. And, uh, it's just short five minute episodes that people can listen to LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. I'm all over the place. And uh, usually when people message me because they've heard me on a podcast, I'm pretty quick to respond and carry on chats with them. So anywhere they want. Perfect. 
And again, wrapping things up, what is one question you you thought I'd ask, you wished I'd ask, and you feel like we've missed a trick? We haven't really, you haven't really had a chance to get this off your chest when it comes to really traffic and funnels. I think was something we was going to talk, really kind of try and focus this in on. I have no, exp- I don't think that I even know how to answer that question. I talk so much, dude. Like, here's the thing. <laughs> I, you probably are like, dude, you didn't have to say that. You didn't have to answer that. But I'm, I'm so used to talking. I mean, daily podcasts. Like, yeah. I just talk all the time. And it's like. Um, I feel like everything that I need to say, uh, has been said and you did a great job. Great interviewer. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Taylor. It's been an absolute pleasure. You got it. Thanks for having me. Attention, authors, coaches, speakers. Make sure to join our Amplifying Your Mission community on Facebook. Thank you for your cooperation. All right, have a great week. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. System shutdown. Three, two, one.